and welcome to the MTM Vegas podcast. I'm Sean Coomer, your host, joined as always by Mark Osterman. We have a great show for you. As a reminder, you can watch this entire show along with all the visuals that go with it at youtube.com forward slash miles to memories. We record two shows a week on YouTube and release them Tuesdays and Fridays and then combine them into this podcast that comes out every single Friday. On this show, we have a lot to discuss, including a behind the scenes look at a high roller, including all his wins and losses, all the comps he received along the way. Was it all worth it? Plus, a class action lawsuit was filed against several casino companies encompassing 20 properties in Las Vegas, saying they colluded to keep hotel prices high over the last few years. We also talk about a rumor that MGM Hyatt's partnership will be ending. That rumor has now been debunked. Buck and Winnie, that famous statue at Harris Las Vegas, has been removed, as has the Green Valley Ranch Buffet. And we discuss the highest rated Mexican restaurants in Las Vegas, according to TripAdvisor. You'll never believe what's number one. All of that plus more coming up right now. As a reminder, you can find all of our Vegas posts, podcasts, and videos at mtmvegas.com. Thanks so much for listening. Let's hit it. So Mark, did you see the M Resort's new security robot? I think we talked about this before when they announced it, but we finally got to see a video of it in action, patrolling the parking lots, keeping your car safe. I, I, I just wonder what, what is its capabilities? Like, can it tase you if you start breaking into a car? Or, you know, is it is it uh, does it have anything or is it just video cameras that maybe relay it back? Or does it just say stuff? I don't know. I mean, it seems cool, but I also don't know if it's useful. I think in the other show where we talked about it, you talked about just kicking it over. And uh, I think that's probably <laughs> probably a pretty good defense mechanism for it. I'm guessing it's just cameras and warning and then they have real security guards. But, you know, it's interesting to see. And the future is now, I, I suppose. It's like those old car alarms back away from the vehicle. And then it goes through like four different loud noises. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Mark, did you see this new machine that's at New York, New York? It's a uh, one of those sort of gamified slot machines. And thanks to Julian from Vegas Confessions for uh, tagging us in this tweet. He went out and filmed it. Uh, basically, what it seems like is Mario Kart, right? It's like a, a slot machine version of Mario Kart. You get the bonus and it has a little steering wheel. You drive down the street. You know, it's interesting to see all these new sort of machines coming. Uh, would you play this one? Yeah, I, I mean, it is exactly Mario Kart. Like even the little pop-up things to get the, uh, the bonuses and the shells. I mean, you don't get shells in this, but it looks like a complete ripoff, which I'm kind of surprised that they wouldn't get any flack for that. But no, it looks kind of fun. You know, all these machines, they, they add a little something to it versus just watching real spin. So I like that. I wish that they allowed you to, you know, have some say in it, like some skill involved. I played some of these before and like I played one where you shoot zombies or something. And at one point you just get overrun no matter how good you're doing. So it's all predetermined, which kind of stinks, but it's still fun. Yeah, it's fun stuff. It's something different than just kind of sitting there passively waiting for free games. And, you know, it's sort of the maturation of the slot industry in some of these things that they're doing. You know, there are versions of skill-based gaming that are legal and coming and they are in certain areas of the country. I believe they're now legal in Vegas, in Nevada, because there was a big controversy about it a couple years ago. But yeah, you're right. Most of these are still just slot machines, right? They're just, you know, you do the claw game. It's predetermined whether you win. You do this, your bonus is already predetermined. So yeah, it, it, hopefully we'll see more like skill-based stuff, but I guess they still need to keep that house advantage, which is the important thing for them. Yeah, I mean, 
it wouldn't make sense because if somebody's really good at something, they'll just come in and, and tear it up. Like I've seen this at Dave and Buster's before where a guy, he just traveled. I read an article on it, at least uh, he travels around to Dave and Buster's and gets all those big prizes because there's certain games he knows how to to just keep playing and winning. So he'll go from store to store and, you know, take up the, all the video games and stuff like that until they kick him out and then he moves on to the next one. That's like his job. So I'll try to find it so we can link it in the show notes. It's really interesting, but that's kind of what I feel like it would get to if they let it be open to, you know, your actual skill. Yeah, I wonder what everybody out there thinks. Let us know in the comments. Do you like these sort of skill-based games or the ones that, I guess, simulate having skill? Just kind of different bonuses, more gamified slot play. Let us know, because I feel like these machines are coming and coming, but they're still fairly rare, and I, I think they're still a test case. So I wonder how many people actually play them and enjoy them. Uh, but, you know, as this new generation comes up, the the generation that grew up with video games, I mean, I guess we grew up with video games, but more realistic video games, and they're so entrenched in technology that they want this stuff. Yeah, it's all the people that have had phones the whole time and, like, can't, you know, just be in, in an area without doing something or touching the attention spans drop. So I think this is trying to tap into that, you know, with everything we've had going on with social media and everything, people are just used to constantly being entertained uh, with something. So I think this does that a bit. So I, I can see why they're doing it. I think it'll be successful for sure. All right, Mark, a quick housekeeping thing here. How do you say fountain blue, the new hotel in Las Vegas? We've talked about this before, but I get so many comments. <laughs> I get so many comments of people trashing us and saying, no, it's Fontainebleau. Now, that's the French French pronunciation of it, and it's spelled in the French way, but it is called Fontainebleau. As per the owners, you know, you're allowed to name something and call it whatever you want, and they call it Fontainebleau, and that's the name of the hotel. So I know the spelling is weird, or, you know, it's the French spelling, but it is pronounced like English Fontainebleau, and uh, we are doing it right. So if you are getting triggered by us, I'm sorry, it's not our fault. Blame them. If they want to start calling it Fontainebleau, then we will do that as well. Yeah, I mean, we'll see you all same time, same place, two months from now doing this <laughs> same thing. Because <laughs> I feel like we do it every few months, but hey, it is what it is. Uh, we can't help it. Well, we do have a lot of new channel subscribers, a lot of new viewers. So I wanted to kind of put it out there because it is confusing. I remember when Delano opened at Mandalay Bay and everybody in town called it Delano, including myself. And then I once uh, heard saying, you know, it was based on what the property in Miami in South Beach. And I once heard somebody say, no, it's actually Delano. Or it's actually Delano. Oh, my God. See, you see how hard this is, Mark? <laughs> I'm not going to even cut that out. I'm just going to leave that there. So, but it's actually after Franklin Delano Roosevelt, right? That's where the name comes from. So yeah, it can be confusing with this stuff. So, you know, be a little kind to us if you, if you think we're, we're messing up, but yeah, it is fountain blue. And if you go back into the history of the show, it took us a while to, to figure that out ourselves. So that's okay. So Mark TripAdvisor did a list of the top Mexican restaurants in Las Vegas based on ratings. And boy, is this list interesting. Uh, <laughs> there is a lot of Mexican food, a lot of traditional Mexican food, by the way, in Las Vegas that doesn't make this list at all. I guess uh, Tacos El Gordo would be kind of the closest to that. And there are a couple other taco shops. What do you think would be of all the Mexican restaurants in Las Vegas? Let's uh, let's just get to it right now. What do you think would be the number one? Uh, not Senor Frogs. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't even yeah, call Senor Frogs Mexican food. <laughs> I mean, it is owned by a Mexican company, right? They started with, you know, in cruise ship ports and tourist areas in Mexico, and it is a Mexican company, and they've expanded all over the place. 
But yeah, according to TripAdvisor, Sayor Frogs at Treasure Island or TI is the number one Mexican restaurant in Las Vegas. Number two of the actual places that are kind of unique to Las Vegas, Juan's Flaming Fajitas, which we've talked about on the show before with a couple of locations in Las Vegas. Uh, Tacos El Gordo, like I said, numbers eight and six, depending on their location. Nacho Daddy, which is downtown and a couple other places at 11 and four. And uh, on number 19, Mark, the Buffet at Wynn, 19th best Mexican okay. restaurant in Las Vegas. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, besides Taco Tuesday, do they have Mexican food there every night? I don't know. Uh, yeah, I think they have a Mexican station. It's been a while since I've eaten there, but that made it. Border Grill at Mandalay Bay is pretty good. That's number 20. La Salsa, which is another interesting one at the Miracle Mile Shops. I, I know that people love their cheap breakfast specials, but it's like fast food. So I was kind of surprised by that. Casa Don Juan that we talk about, number 10 on the list. And all the Michoacan restaurants. And I think that this is one to actually talk about. A lot of people out of town don't know that. Uh, but there's three restaurants, Bonito Michoacan, Lindo Michoacan, and then the original Lindo Michoacan. They used to actually have a couple more restaurants around Las Vegas, but this is very authentic. So I didn't say there was authentic, but this is authentic Mexican food on this list, making number three, 14, and number 30. If you ever see those around town, definitely worth trying. I've been going to the original Lindo Michoacan since I met my wife back in 1999. She introduced me to it. So as long as Casa Don Juan food, uh, really good. But tons of great Mexican options in Las Vegas, but don't miss the best at Senor Frogs. They do have good frozen drinks. I, w- I won't lie. <laughs> I've partaken in some around the world. <laughs> <laughs> Admittedly, I've never eaten food there. I've only had drinks at Senor Frogs, so I will have to. Well, actually, that's not true. In Tijuana years ago, I had lunch there, but this was like 20 years ago. So, yeah, let us know what your favorite Mexican restaurant is in Las Vegas. A lot of other strip ones made it, like Gonzales y Gonzales, and some other ones, El Segundo Sol. So we'll put a link down in the description. You can check them all out. But uh, a lot of great Mexican options in Las Vegas. Now, Mark, you're planning on coming, what, in a couple months? And I know you were looking for your trip. And what, what it wasn't a very pleasant surprise to see the prices, right? Yeah, I mean, it's been a little while, probably eight months or so since I've been to Vegas. So definitely, you know, time to, to get back out there and, and check some stuff out. But uh, I was looking February, March, April you know, just kind of like a weekend trip. And, and normally you'd see like three, maybe $400, sometimes cheaper on like the low cost carriers, uh, like Frontier and Spirit. And I just, man, I can't find anything in that time frame, which is kind of surprising. I mean, not totally surprising because airline prices are crazy everywhere, but we're seeing on Twitter, you know, empty planes flying all over the place and they're still wanting to charge six, $700. And like uh, on a weekend, I could fly find a Frontier flight for $130 out coming back is four or $500 on everything. And it's just, there's no award space. So plan your Vegas trips in advance. Don't be like me. In the past, you could find good deals last minute. doesn't seem to be the case, at least early on in the year. You know, I have to imagine that they're going to drop prices once they see all these empty flights going out. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see, but Vegas has definitely been pricing things high. And I guess it depends on the market. I wonder if it's Detroit um, I have seen pretty high f- prices to Vegas as somebody lives there and has to return, but I've noticed like cheap flights to Florida. So Florida seems to be a pretty good market because maybe they're both tourist markets and uh, I don't know. So there are still some cheap flights to Vegas from different places. Uh, but when you start looking at some markets, it gets to be insane and the hotel prices are the same. It does seem like, you know, you can, and then it's really hard to tell, right? Cause you'll look at hotel prices and they're really high. And then you have to try to figure out sometimes why they're high. 
And there's so much going on all the time that just about every weekend is like prime time these days. There aren't any really slow weekends anymore. And even like a lot of the weekdays because of conferences, because of different events are high hotel rates. And then it can just be really difficult to figure out why, you know, if you want to like, okay, what conventions in town, what is going on? So there are a lot of pitfalls with that. Vegas, we've talked about it so many times, not cheap anymore. Even finding those value kind of corners of Vegas where, you know, cheap dates, low season, other hotels, it's getting harder too. Yeah, that's, I think, the the most notable thing is there's no real off time anymore. Like, you expect March, mid-March to be expensive with March Madness and everything. You know, I was I was shooting for the weekend before when they have all the, the uh, conference championships in basketball. I figured that'd be a good one that's a little bit discounted, but still has a lot of action going on and, and people in town. But that, you know, struck out there and then going into April, I've, I've flown out in April for a couple hundred bucks in the past and booked it early on in the year. One of my favorite months to go to Vegas for sure. Weather seems perfect, you know, warm, but not too hot. You can do whatever you want to do, but still like pool weather. So I was looking forward to that, but just striking out, I'll keep my eyes open. You know, I got to get out there. I would still want to do uh, something similar to what we planned last year before you got COVID when we're doing all the off sites and, and kind of getting away from the strip a bit and checking all that out. Yeah, there's so much to see off the strip and... I hope you can. I hope you can get it. You know, you'll figure out a week. But I'd be interested to hear from everybody who's watching too. Like, are they running into this as well, where their trips are costing more, or they're having to sacrifice things, or really kind of look deep into the dates to figure it out? Because it just wasn't that hard before to find things. If you had a little bit of flexibility, uh, you could find cheap weekends. And, and stuff like that. And it just doesn't seem to be changing. I should say even these are like red eye flights. They're not even prime time flights. So even usually you could, you know, grab a red eye back on Sunday and it'd be pretty cheap or, or even flying out late on Friday. And even those are going for 450, which is just nuts. Yep. All right. So what's nuts is our main story of the week. And I really love this. This guy on Twitter, Rick Golfs, shared his seven years of experience at Cosmo. So uh, it's really about how much he spent, kind of the benefits he got, how he got it. He plays mostly high limit slots. And I'm really impressed with the fact that he tracked his coin in, coin out, how much he won, how much he lost, and kind of explained away, you know, what he received as far as comps. And in his mind, I think, what did he lose? About $35,000 over the course of seven years. He more than made up for it with free rooms, you know, over a hundred comp nights, things like that. So on the surface, do you buy that, that losing that much money is worth it for what you get back? And uh, what other takeaways do you have from this Twitter thread? Yeah, I think it totally depends on who you are and what you would have spent anyway. Like if you're going to do all those Vegas trips anyway, and you're going to pay, you know, maybe instead of getting a thousand dollar suite, you'd be paying 200 bucks to stay somewhere else. Maybe you're not staying at Cosmo. So this gives you like a, a discounted rate to stay there. You're still paying for it but you're not paying as much as you would have, or you're upgrade, getting like a free upgrade, essentially going from like a New York, New York over to Cosmo, stuff like that. So I think for some, it'll be worth it. If this is your, you know, your entertainment budget, and this is all you, this is what you do for your entertainment and you put your money into it and you, and you stick to that budget. I think it can work for people. I also think, but you know, part of it is that this is what Vegas does is they make you mentally juggle like, Hey, I lost 35,000, but I did, if I say, I, you know, that limo ride would have cost 12 bucks in an Uber, but it's probably 150 bucks, you know, that type of thing. So you play those games. So just be, you know, cautious of that. But I think for some people, it makes sense for sure. Yeah. So he lost $34,847. According to his math, he gained $60,550 in free suites, food and beverage and limo rides. 
But as you say, did he need the limo rides? Would he have taken Uber instead? You know, he puts a lot of the suites at Cosmo up $1,000 a night on the weekends. That's true, but maybe you can stay somewhere else as well. And, you know, a lot of the food comps, are you spending more because you have the comp? I know when I have a comp, I'm using it all, right? And I necessarily wouldn't do that or spend that kind of money on the meal. So there is that. But then there's also the experience of it, right? I mean, he's getting the experience of spending 105 nights at Cosmo. All the time he's getting to spend gambling, uh, which I would assume is enjoyable to him. All of the kind of experience with the food comps, getting treated like a VIP at Cosmo, the limo rides, it all adds to the experience. So I guess the question is, was all of that worth $35,000 over seven years? I mean, I think a lot of people spend you know that much on seven years of travel, probably don't get that much back. But he also says, and this is important, this is probably the best case scenario. He had a lot of lucky wins in there, and most people who do what he did probably will end up losing a lot more. This is, I, I could take it with a grain of salt, but I do love that he shared all the numbers and kind of put it out there as a discussion. Yeah, it's really cool. You know, we see that all the time with people being expert gamblers and stuff, and they don't really share what they are betting, what they're losing. They just talk a big game and stuff. And, you know, you always like to comment people only like to talk about their wins. They don't talk about their losses. So big time credit. And I know uh, JR Food and Travel has done this in the past, shared their whole year, like what they've gambled, what they've coin in, coin out from MGM and stuff. And I always find that really cool and unique and, and definitely something nobody really needs to do. But it's always, you know, gives you a little bit more info and, and you can trust them a bit more when they do that. So yeah, be, just be cautious. Like with all things with gambling, you know, do do what you can and, and don't, press it too far. You know, don't chase the comps, just let them come to you. And you're absolutely right, right? Everybody I talk to, I talk to a lot of people about stuff like this and they're like, oh yeah, I barely gamble. And then they have all these comps. And then over time you sort of figure out that they gamble a lot more than they say. So it's really nice if you can find sources where people are telling the truth and it helps you kind of get an understanding for, you know, what it takes, but also kind of the, the flip side of it, what's good and, you know, the, the experience of it all. But yeah, if you tell me, you know, I have a week of comps at Cosmo, but I only gamble, you know, $100 a trip. I'm not going to believe you. You know, it's just uh, at this point. But a lot of people do that. So I wonder how many of you guys out there are high limits. Have you ever gotten that, like, top tier status, that VIP status with a casino? Because, you know, I would love to hear more experiences like that. As you know, I don't gamble that much. And I've been a local for a long time. So even when there is gambling, I don't get a lot of uh, free stuff. And, you know, I think in the end, I come out way ahead by gambling less but I enjoy more of the, the spectacle of Las Vegas than actually the machines. But I know many of you guys enjoy the action. I'd love to hear more about your comps and your experience with elite status and whether you think it was worth it. And also, do you track that? Do you track every dollar you go in and out and how much you've done over time? Yeah, let us I'd know about that as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'd rather, I'd just, rather just pretend it didn't happen. There you go. Whenever the wife calls, how are you doing? No matter what, up or down, about even. <laughs> So, Mark, did you hear that the beloved Buck and Winnie statue at Harrah's Las Vegas has now been removed? It was in pretty poor shape after being touched so much over the years, and now it's just a hole in the casino floor. This is one of my favorite, like, quirky things in Las Vegas. Sad to see it go. Yeah, it was a it was a cool statue, kind of a throwback, which I had always imagined it was older. You know, it came in the late 90s, which it just seemed like it came from a, a different era. So it was always cool, and it, it's amazing to see in the, in those pictures how just worn it is it was and the money was like 
disintegrating essentially, even though it wasn't, you know, paper money. Yes, I get it. But a statue money, you wouldn't think that would happen, but so many people touched it and, you know, Harris is getting updated throughout, which is something that's been needed for a while now. So, you know, uh, out with the old and with the new, I guess it, I would imagine that they want to use that space for something they can make money off of. Yeah, probably uh, two more slot machines or something. But there were already slot machines there. I don't know. I feel like they could have spent some money to refurbish it or created something new uh, in that uh, in that vein. But it just seems like we're not going to get anything. And, uh, yeah, Vegas moves on. It's part of life. But I'm really sad to see it go. Putting a bar in. That's my guess. The rumor mills were swirling this past week with some rumors that Hyatt and MGM might be ending their partnership because of some phone agents who'd said that uh, MGM would stop doing status matches. So part of this is true. It seems like MGM is actually going to stop matching status from other casino loyalty programs, but uh, they are going to continue their Hyatt partnership, it seems like. So if you really love Hyatt and MGM and that whole partnership, you're probably good. But if you want to match from other casinos, it may be ending this summer. Yeah, and it's always been kind of hit or, hit or miss, I feel like, casino matches with MGM. So I don't think it's a big loss if it goes away. You know, it was a big thing to go to Atlantic City years ago and do it at Borgata because you got free play and stuff like that. And Vegas hasn't always been the best for that type of stuff. So usually it's when new hotels open up or, or like a hard rock where they're taking over and they do a good status match. So I don't think anybody's going to really miss out too much. And, and it's good to see Hyatt and MGM stay together, you know, for award bookings, for earning points, for elite night credits with Hyatt, all kinds of stuff. So that's that's the key thing I uh, take away, I think, is that that's staying intact. Yeah, it's, uh, it's good for that. We have a lot of kind of crossover between our the miles to memories travel and uh, travel reward stuff and the stuff that you do on travel rewards and you know the vegas mgm stuff because there's a lot of people who love hyatt and love earning hyatt nights on cheap mgm stays so you know this is a, a good thing but there were but you know the status matches i feel like in casinos in general have been too generous lately and i could see more casinos kind of pulling back as i sit here on a free cruise that i got by simply matching status in atlantic city so you know, you can definitely get some cool stuff through these status matches. I'm glad that they exist. I hope they continue to exist, but I'm not surprised when companies tighten them up a little bit, you know, and MGM adding that free resort fee for gold. They're losing a lot of revenue off that probably with all these matched golds. Yeah, for sure. I think that plays a role that, you know, gold waived resort fees and a lot of people are coming over from Hyatt. And then once you get one or the other, you can kind of just match it back and forth between the two and then not have resort fees at all for, you know, as long as this partnership stays in, in place, which is which is great for us, but definitely probably hits them uh, below the belt uh, a little, <laughs> quite a bit. There is one thing we don't know. When they announced this partnership about five years ago, it was a one-year deal and they had only, you know, committed to one year and then they extended it. We really don't know how long that contract is or whether they've extended it again. They haven't really announced any of that. But it seems like it's staying in place for now, which is good. Although we know Hyatt is kind of expanding a lot in Las Vegas with Rio kind of eventually, hopefully. They haven't really said much lately Maybe about someday. Rio turning into Hyatt. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and the Dream Hotel also on the south end of the Strip as Hyatt bought Dream Hotels. So they will be the operator there. So uh, Hyatt definitely expanding their presence. So we'll see how that goes forward. Now, one of the saddest things about covid has been the loss of buffets in Las Vegas. We do have, you know, a handful back, and uh, most of them are gone, and the space is slowly replaced. Well, one more local casino, Green Valley Ranch, and I guess this isn't just a local casino. This is sort of a well-known resort that a lot of people do stay at from out of town. They are finally getting rid of their buffet. 
it's been closed since COVID, but they left the space intact. So there was a little bit of hope that maybe the buffet would come back, but walls went up. We don't know what's going to replace it yet. At Red Rock, the sister property, they replaced it with several restaurants. So this could be, you know, a food hall concept, although they have a food court in a separate area. So maybe that's not going to happen. Maybe they're just going to put in new restaurants there. We shall see. But the hope of getting any of these closed buffets back now is pretty much zero, I would say. Yeah, and you would think with local casinos, they'd have a better shot of sticking around just because it's such a draw for people that live in the area to come in and get a cheap meal. Even if it's a loss leader, it gets them in the door, gets them gambling, keeps them loyal to your rewards program and all that. So I'm not surprised to see the strip casinos pulled away, but I'm, I'm a little bit surprised that more local-based casinos are doing it as well. And it it must just be like the losses were adding up to, to the point that it didn't make sense for them anymore. And I, I imagine staffing is a problem too, which that with that type of thing with cooks and everything. So I don't know. It's sad to see, you know, that's kind of Vegas of old was cheap buffets, cheap food. And we're seeing more like high-end restaurants and celebrity chefs versus just coming in and eating for 10, 15 bucks and filling your face, you know, feel you lost a couple hundred bucks at the table, but you're getting a cheap dinner out of it at least. That buffet used to be very famous back in the day for serving crab legs every night at dinner. And, you know, they had a $15 dinner buffet back in the day. Um, it was always a pretty good buffet. The one at Red Rock was better. And, of course, the crab legs went away quite a long time ago. Uh, but it was a beloved were buffet they, and a really beautiful space. Were they pre-sliced uh, crab legs? We don't want people to get triggered when you bring that up again. <laughs> <laughs> so Mark, you ran across this on Twitter and I had heard about it years ago because I just had a friend who worked at Ka, but it's a good reminder because I really didn't know this was going on post-COVID. So Ka 360 is a backstage tour that happens a couple times a week at Ka. You know, we talk about Ka a lot. You don't really like it. Uh, we both like the stage though, and the stage is pretty incredible and sort of the backstage areas. And uh, you can actually tour that on Tuesdays at 11 a.m., 11.30 a.m. or Saturdays at noon or 12.30 p.m. It's about a 20-minute tour. You don't need reservations. You just kind of show up at the in front of Ka and MGM Grand, and you get to see all the good stuff, or as you say, all the good stuff, since you don't like the show. Yeah, I mean, the the, the stage is amazing. I I enjoyed that that aspect of the show. You know, the rest of it, it, it wore on me a little bit. I got a little tired, and that could have been just, you know, the drinking and gambling before going. But uh, I think this is amazing. You can go check it out, see if it is something. It's kind of like a preview to the show. I know they're not actors or anything, but you get to see the stage function, how it works, how cool it is. And then you can decide if you want to spend the money to go to the, the full show or not. And I, I know I read in some of the comments, I don't know if this is still going on, but... After you do the tour, if you buy a ticket to the show, they give you like a little gift and stuff. So maybe that's a way to get kind of like a discount uh, access to the show, discounted tickets. So I think it's really cool. I definitely would check it out if I was there at that time. You know, midday, you're not doing a whole lot. It's not like it's party time or, or anything. So go grab some lunch at MGM and then uh, hit up the tour. I think it'd be really cool. My dad worked on EFX back in the day in that same theater. And I got to go backstage several times there. And it's an incredible theater behind the scenes. I haven't been there and since the call days. I should go do this. Uh, but yeah, that theater is massive and the scale of it. I mean, it has giant elevators that go way down into the bowels of the building and a lot going on there. And I imagine it's even grander now with Kaw than it was with EFX. So definitely uh, something that people should check out. It's free. And what's free anymore in Vegas? So, you know, take advantage Not much. of that. Yeah, when are they, they're <laughs> exactly. going to have like little parking meters at Bellagio soon where you have to put the coin in to, to pay. But shout out to C-Note Vegas for putting this up on Twitter and and sharing this. I know he's 
He's trying to do a cheap Vegas trip, which is a lot harder than it used to be. Like, take advantage of all the free stuff and the cool shows. They've been going, you know, by the wayside one by one. So this is one that he found and a little nugget. So I thought it was pretty cool. Yeah, we'll talk a little later in the show about why it might not be so cheap in Vegas uh, with a lawsuit that was filed. But we'll, we'll save that for a little later. Area 15 officially announced their full expansion. Now, we talked about the Universal Parks portion of that a couple weeks ago, which will be a full-time haunted experience, but it's going to be much more than that. 450,000 square feet of retail office and residential space, venues ranging from 1,000 to 60,000 square feet, and I guess the, the big thing about this, or for me as an airplane nerd, is they're going to have a 747 hole somewhere, so there'll be some sort of experience with a real 747 airplane just off the 15 at Area 15. It's pretty cool. I mean, we, we knew they were expanding, but this is going to be a massive complex. It's going to go almost all the way up to Palace Station by the time it's done. Yeah, maybe it's going to be like a restaurant or something. You know, we've eaten at something like that in Colorado Springs, which was really cool. You eat inside the hull of the plane. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm guessing they might do a little bit more than that with it. But it's always fun when you repurpose something. You know, we see it with uh, shipping containers a lot and people do it with airplanes from time to time. So it's always something unique. Definitely looking forward to it. I mean, Area 15 is is so Vegas and and the expansion's exciting. A lot of stuff. Like I said, though, they got to figure out how to get you around the place and figure out parking because I think that's going to be a big problem as this uh, growth goes. It's already, you know, kind of gangbusters out, out wise. But uh, I'm excited for all of it, for sure. Yeah, when I was watching the Planning Commission meeting when the universal approval came up, they keep getting parking waivers for their approvals at Area 15, so they never have enough parking per the zoning code. But their argument is that so many people come via Uber and Lyft and stuff like that, that they don't need all that parking. So they do have a parking plan, but it's less parking than the code requires. I think that this airplane is a good idea because the one kind of complaint maybe you could have about Area 15 is it looks very warehousey, that whole area. There's not a lot of architectural interest there. They do have the sculptures on the front, but uh, that's only when you're kind of right in front of it. But from the freeway, I feel like if they could add some more things like this to kind of draw people in, make it interesting, it's going to be a good thing. So I, I'm kind of excited about that. But you're right, it's hopefully it doesn't get even crazier to drive down there because it's not a fun experience going in and out of their parking lot. It's just uh, not really made for that much vehicle traffic at this point. But hopefully with this expansion, they'll fix that. Yeah, just put it in a parking garage. Easy. <laughs> Although it might Easy take... Might take <laughs> Might take three years, like they are uh, down in Arts District. You never know. All right, so some quick sportsbook news. You uh, sent this to me. You saw it uh, from Mark Meltzer on Twitter. Pre-game uh, Caesars is limiting wagers if you're not using your Caesars reward card. So a pre-game wager of two thousand or more, or in-play wagers of a thousand or more, they're requiring you to use your rewards card so they can track who's making the bets, which is interesting. I think uh, maybe this has a little to do with money laundering. But we also know sports books, you know, they don't, if you win too much at a sports book, right? If you're too good of a gambler, they will limit you and cut you down. So I feel like this is probably a way to keep people from uh, making anonymous bets and kind of keeping control of the high rollers. Yeah, I think for most people, it's, you know, they always give their rewards card to earn the uh, rewards credits and, and all that stuff. But for the big bettors, maybe they do want to keep it anonymous and keep, fly under the radar a bit. So I think this will be annoying for them. And I think you nailed it. You know, the two things that they're probably looking for is money laundering and people that are doing well or maybe making bets for others, uh, stuff like that, which I don't know that it matters. But, you know, something in the I'm sure the IRS cares or, and stuff like that, you know, these gambling rings and and everything. But with online sports betting, I feel like 
it's kind of weird. Like it, it's somewhat easier to make bets everywhere across the country. So it's kind of strange that they're rolling this out now, but it'd be interesting to hear for sure. Like what their reason is or what their, what they say it is uh, for doing this. I used to have a buddy I worked with who had a bunch of friends in Southern California, and this is before online sports betting and everything else. So once or twice a week, he would make runs to sports books and do all the bets for them. So they would call it in and then he would just take a percentage of any winnings and, you know, it was their bets, so they, they paid for it. And uh, he loved doing that. And so, you know, it, people do do that. They do make bets for other people. Although, like you say, everything has changed with online sports betting. There's so many different books and apps and, and everything else. But, uh, yeah, it's an interesting thing. And speaking of sports books, Betfred is likely going to get approved. The, Na- the Nevada Gaming Control Board recommended approval as we're recording this The Nevada Gaming Commission will be hearing them and probably approving them. So Virgin, after almost two years, they opened in March of 2021, will finally have a sports book. That area has been sitting (laughs) empty this whole time. Is that not the most Virgin thing ever, though? (laughs) Did it take that long to get a sports book? And then pick a company that's been fined in the past over in the UK and stuff, doesn't have the best track record, and this is what Virgin comes up with. It it just seems too funny, too... (laughs) Like... Too perfect. Too perfect. They are a British company, so maybe that makes sense with the tie-in with Virgin. Yeah, they've gotten fined for uh, violating anti-money laundering laws in the past, but they do operate in eight U.S. states. (laughs) Exactly. They do operate in eight states in the U.S., so they are expanding here and likely to get approval. So that empty area that just kind of served as a sports bar because it has all the TVs and stuff will now officially be able to take bets. They're not taking parlays, they said yet but they're going to consider it before the NFL season. You know, this is their first thing. They don't have online version yet for Nevada, but they will get to that. On one hand, this is just Virgin Sportsbook, but on another hand, Betfred getting licensed here means probably another app, another online sportsbook, another player in that whole game too. So I guess it's notable in that way. And hopefully they roll out some type of new member bonus or something when they go online. I know they did this at Caesars with William Hill and stuff where you make a cash deposit and you get a free bet or something. So hopefully there's something similar along that and and you can make a little bit of money off that even if you don't plan on using Virgin at all. All right. And let's talk about our main story, Mark, which is kind of in line with what we talked about on our last show with prices being so high, right? A class action lawsuit was filed against MGM, Caesars, Wynn, and Treasure Island. So I think that's about 20 properties altogether in Las Vegas saying that they colluded in fixing their hotel prices and keeping prices high and restricting supply. And they were all using this company called Rainmaker or this algorithm that uh, is basically designed to optimize their profits. And it's not based on supply and demand. It's based on you know, restricting supply and keeping prices high across all of these companies. And they didn't necessarily talk to each other, but Rainmaker was using all the data from all the companies to set prices across all of their properties, or at least that's alleged in the lawsuit. Uh, this hasn't obviously been proven. To the, the attorneys basically said, what happens in Vegas will no longer stay in Vegas. We intend to expose the under-the-table deals perpetrated by these Vegas hotels, and we intend to hold them accountable. And by incentivizing its users to suppress the supply of hotel rooms, Rainmaker artificially drove up prices and directly harmed consumers. These corporations created a scenario in which the house will always win, and they've broken the law to do so. That is the accusation. We've talked about high prices. Last year was a record for prices in Las Vegas. Several months broke the record, but overall for the year broke the record as well. So the data seems to support the high prices, but did they collude? 
on the back end? That's the question that they'll have to answer in court. I mean, it makes a lot of sense. <laughs> it makes a ton of sense that you figure if you have one company running it for all these different companies, they kind of take the prices uh, of each other and then give out uh, suggestions that are all going to be about the same because it's the same, you know, uh, the same program doing all this. So I definitely think there's something to it. That would be my guess. But the, you also have to look at the other side of it. People were still paying these prices. It's not like the uh, occupancy rate was dropping. So, you know, that maybe they were just finding the level people are still willing to pay. So I don't know. I don't know what comes of it. I'm sure there will be a settlement of some sort and nothing will change. But that's just the skeptical me. I don't have the exact date, but I think the lawsuit is for anybody who rented a hotel room at any of these properties from some date in 2019 through today. You're not allowed to share data. And that's really what what the thing is. I mean, whether the companies called each other up on the phone and said, "Okay, you're pricing here and you're pricing there. They all use the same company. And if they cross-contaminated that data and used it for those purposes, I could see kind of the argument. Of course, we're not lawyers and we don't are trying to say that we understand the legality of this one way or the other, but it is an interesting argument. I'm kind of glad it's being brought up. And I wonder, this is Las Vegas, right? But where is this software being used elsewhere? What other markets is, is this happening? We see record hotel prices in a lot of different places. So on one hand, is this being done other places and also... You know, it's just another reminder that technology is making corporations more efficient in finding ways to make money and squeezing every last dollar out of you. You don't have a revenue manager who's just there kind of using their own, you know, intuition pricing rooms. You now have computers and algorithms with tons of data. And that is where all of that comes from. Yeah, we need the $19 rooms back, please. Thank you. Make it rain, Rainmaker. Make it rain. $19 rooms, baby. Come on. That's our settlement, Mark. Uh, they won't give us a free room. They'll give us a $19 room one night take it. as part of the class action settlement. So I mean, yeah, let us know what you guys think about any of these stories about this big antitrust lawsuit. Do you think uh, that collusion happened? Uh, we don't know, but it will uh, take its place through court and we'll see. Also, uh, Ka, have you ever done that backstage tour? And Winnie and Buck, are you sad to see them go? Leave a comment down below. Don't forget to subscribe to the channel. Hit that notification bell so you receive notifications of all of our videos. We have uh, two videos a week, Tuesdays, Fridays. We'll be back in just a few days. Thanks so much for watching. Talk to you next time.